0: Hello and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you hear industry experts share their thought provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and it's generously sponsored by MedThinkSycom. I'm Rob Mathias, President and CEO of ISMAP. With us today, we have Jenny Giff, Global Scientific Publications and Innovations Director at Pfizer, her areas of focus include artificial intelligence, advancing digital dissemination through social media, and closed platforms, as well as programs aimed at achieving true patient centricity. Jenny is a certified medical publication professional, author on several high-tiered peer-reviewed publications, and has presented at national and local meetings. Today, I'll be spending some time with Jenny talking about social media and medical publishing, which is one of the hottest topics facing our profession. Welcome, Jenny.
1: Thank you for having me, Ron.
0: It's great to have you, Jenny. So, uh, you know, when I first started with medical publishing, uh, there wasn't such thing as social media and and any considerations around that. We just, we published in peer-reviewed journals. Uh, Let's start off by you telling us why it's so important.
1: Well, Rob, I don't think you're alone. I think many of us are in the same boat that you are. Um, I think when I got started in this, I was new to the publishing world and my son actually knew more about social media than I did. And I still look to him for advice, quite frankly. But um, I think this is an important time for us as publications professionals, as folks who are working in medical affairs. We have for a long time been thinking about the time it takes for us to release information and really what happens to that information once we send it out. And social media really gives us a unique way to facilitate transparency, to communicate data accurately in the face of what can be misinformation, um, and also to do so in, in ways that, that reach folks exponentially beyond what we have been able to do in the past. So it's a very interesting time. Um, we also are seeing the expansion of digital overall. And people are spending more time with their screens and more time on those platforms than they have in the past. So it's really just a an exciting time to be a part. Of, of scientific communications and an exciting opportunity to be able to use this medium.
0: Yeah, so a great response. Uh, you know, as you know, we're going to be chatting about this across two different sessions. And this first part is uh, really to talk about some of the nuts and bolts for those who maybe haven't stepped into social media before. Do you have any general advice for, uh, for a company or an organization that may be trying to get into social media? And what, what can they do right off the bat?
1: Well, I think at first you want to educate yourself to, to what's out there. You know, begin exploring, uh, ask your colleagues, ask your friends, look outside of our own industry too, quite frankly, at what's being done. Register on some of these platforms if you're, if you feel comfortable enough to do so, you know, do your research. But really, I think it all goes back to the basics of, of what we do as well. It's that's reassuring at all to people. It's think about what you want to achieve, what your objectives are with the pieces that you're writing and putting out there. And and that should really guide you in terms of the choices that you make. Um, think about your purpose. Also think about your audience. Are you looking to reach people who, who are on a particular platform? Should you use a different platform? Do you understand their behaviors as much as you can? And even, even beyond that, do you understand the problems that they may be having? It, it helps to think about not just the professions themselves, um, in oncology, we think about oncologists and neurologists, but to actually think about the persona or the profile more broadly, how are they consuming information? What does their day look like? When might they go to social media? What are they doing when they read journal articles? Are they seeing them as duplicative? Are they having trouble finding the right articles? Who are they connected to? Learn as much as you can and learn about the channels, and that'll help guide your decisions so you can really kind of fall back on some of the basic principles that we have. Who are we trying to reach? Why are we trying to reach them? And then how do we reach them?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I get it. We have to take into account the audience. That makes a lot of sense. And publication professionals are, are used to doing that. In terms of developing the content itself, though, is, is that different? Are you working with the authors to do it? Or does a publication professional write it? Does the journal do it? Um, talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Uh, I think that's a great question. So I think <laughs> the answer is it depends. Right. So what we're seeing is um, journals are also having their own social media handles. Right. So journals may reach out through the publication process and may suggest tweets. Um, the authors may be writing tweets. So the authors may be digital opinion leaders. Right. And, but then you also may be a part of a company that has their own social media handle. And you may be um, working with a team or, or working to develop the content for social media yourself. So, you know, I know that's, that's kind of a, a broad answer, right? It makes it hard to figure out, well, what do I do in these individual situations, right? But if you break it down, you know, and you, what I would suggest is start by understanding the social media policies um, where you work um, and of your company, and understand what you're able to do compliantly versus not. Um, in some cases, if the journals are writing it, for example, the journals may do that independently or the digital opinion leaders may also do that independently. Um, and in those cases, what you just wanna make sure that you're doing is that you have done your due diligence and providing accurate information to them so that they can then take that and write that. Conversely, if you're doing this on your own and, and learning how to write it, um, you probably have cross-functional teams or expertise um, with amongst yourselves and other medical writers at your company who can help you develop short content. 280 characters or less is is a tall order. But I think it's a really good challenge because we've all been talking about bite-sized content a lot and how difficult it is to distill down information. So think of it as an opportunity to write and to really summarize um, in a way that's impactful all the work that you've been doing.
0: Makes sense. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Some of our listeners may be thinking, well, that, that all sounds good. Are there compliance aspects that we have to think about? Uh, you know, in the nuts and bolts of this conversation, if I'm developing some content or working with an author, do I have to have that content reviewed by my compliance, my legal teams, for example?
1: Yeah, I and you know, I think it's really important that we um, engage our colleagues and that we partner with them. They're they're learning too um, at times, and and they can advise us. So if you're unsure, ask right and involve them upfront. You know, let them know um, what, you're, what you're planning to do, um, what you're facing. If you do get an inquiry, um, I would encourage you to have a conversation with them. Oftentimes, you will have a social media policy in place at your company, and you should familiarize yourself with that. And again, ask the social media policy owner if you have questions. You may want to bring in your publications team for a lunch and learn, right, or, or a brief discussion. Um, so I would definitely suggest thinking about that. And then another thing you want to think about is um, monitoring of the handles. That often comes up when we're thinking about compliance. So when we turn these things on, you're opening up a conversation. Social media is about a two-way dialogue. In some ways, we're learning about that, and we're not quite there yet. At least in the in the world that I've been working at, and in responding as quickly as we'd like, and 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 figuring out how how we want to do that over the course of time, but. You know the first thing you want to do is make sure you have monitoring in place for what you are putting out there so that you can understand if people are responding to to your tweets if they're raising issues um, if they're flagging an adverse event that needs to be reported for example all those things um, have to be considered before you before you flip the switch if you will and begin starting uh, your own social media tweets and work
0: so you brought up an interesting point around adverse events and I, I know that's something that A lot of our listeners are grappling with is there um, in your opinion a responsibility to monitor for adverse events and and to follow the usual channels to report them how does that work in your estimation
1: yeah so i think it it is it is definitely something that comes to people's minds it is we definitely have a a responsibility to to report that out and what you'll want to consider again before you turn your handle on is that you have report monitoring in place if you are planning on on starting up your own handle through a corporation if you're tweeting on things independently, you may have a uh, different guidance on that with respect to your social media policy. And I would encourage you to take a look at those. If, if, you're, if a journal is approaching you, right, and, and opening up a tweet that is about a publication that you have, and you've never done it before, again, talk with your legal and regulatory colleagues on whether you need to do any additional due diligence on your side. Some of these things are also independent, right? So if you're not necessarily taking a part in the draft of the content the rules may be slightly different so again it's it's really just important to educate yourself and to understand what's out there in terms of guidelines that are already in place admittedly there may be some gray areas in those guidelines are your teams are evolving with you and i think the best advice is really to establish a strong partnership as you embark on on this this world that we're all living in today
0: yeah, Now, great response. And I think it really gets us into a, an area that, you know, typical publication medical communication professionals don't grow up learning how to do necessarily. So it's all an exploration as they, as they get more into it. I want to take you back for just a second. You'd mentioned a term uh, DOL, uh, digital opinion, opinion leaders. Could you tell us a little bit more about who they are, what they do? We grew up learning about KOLs. So uh, what's this all about?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we have our KOLs and the folks who we are, um, those are key opinion leaders, and they're helping us oftentimes to write many of our publications, or they're speaking in public forums and at congresses and meetings. Uh, what we've seen, um, and I think the pandemic has only accelerated all of this, are the emergence of digital opinion leaders. These are the folks who, who are on social media, who are tweeting out information and who have broad ranges of followers, who are respected amongst the digital community, who are weighing in heavily. And they may be, for example, emerging physicians or allied health professionals, even perhaps, who, who are um, not necessarily as, as well known in the, at least the traditional aspects that we think. So they may be someone who's attending a Congress, right? And the community, just what they're developing really resonates with the with the folks who are in the the Twitterverse, for example. So I think we're just beginning to understand them, but it is it is helpful to work with your colleagues across uh, medical affairs, for example, to really understand the landscape of of who is speaking out there on social media. You can do things like social media listening if you don't know who those folks are yet. So you can actually monitor um, the space. To understand whose opinions are really rising to the top. And I would also just add that I think it's important to always remember as well that sometimes with Twitter and, and with other social media, everything can be amplified, right? So something that is not necessarily the practice changing phase three study right, that you would traditionally think of can also get an enormous amount of attention on Twitter. And what we we think of that is uh popularity bias, right? So sometimes the tweets that are the most viral, who are seeing getting the most reach, if you will, are for studies that, that are not typically thought of as what we would expect. And I think social media listening helps to understand that, to help you understand when that's occurring, if that's occurring whether or not you're able to or even want to respond to that sort of information.
0: Interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of uh, new inputs that we can get from social listening, if you will, and, and trying to understand what's happening in that environment. Uh, let me ask you a broader question. Do you think when we do traditional publication planning, we should be including aspects of social media listening as well as you know, social media in general as, par- as part of traditional publication planning?
1: I would say absolutely. And I know that might be challenging for people. And I'm not saying that you have to do everything all at once. Social media listening is a way to understand the challenges that people are experiencing and or maybe the misunderstandings that they have around a certain space to help you plan for what you may want to communicate within your articles and to help you understand very quickly the reach that your publications are having. And what follow-up information may be needed? Do I need to issue a paper on subgroups, for example, because there's a big conversation on that on Twitter? These are all things that you can understand through social media and that can help you develop a, a more impactful publication plan.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's interesting because there's different aspects that we now include in, in publication planning that we never thought of before. I guess having a more proactive approach is, is probably the best way to go in terms of thinking it through.
1: I agree. And and again, I, I think, Rob, it, we're all we're all trying to work through this together and we're all we're all learning. You know, I think it's maybe start small. Right. So if, if that's if that's helpful at all as well, um, think about perhaps what some of your major priorities are. Um, try to, again, monitor what you see with respect to that. It is it can be daunting because there is a lot out there. We're all suffering from a bit of information overload right? And I think that um, there's an art to to finding the signal from the noise and really trying to make some choices about what you need to prioritize in the context of the rest of what you're planning for. But conversely, right, think of the, the social media space as a way to help with knowledge democratization, that you can reach audiences that you haven't necessarily been able to reach. And you can understand the impact of the work that you're doing and really be able to build better reactions to that as well.
0: That's great. That's great. The one word that I want to really capture is uh, purposeful. I think that you really hit the nail on the head when we think about what we should be doing, trying to make sure that the communications that we put out there actually have a purpose and intent. Uh, You mentioned uh, metrics and KPIs. We're going to get into that into the next session that we have together. So we'll talk a little bit about the future of social media and how we can measure some of these things that we're going next. So for today, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to, uh, to part two of our Informed series where we're going to cover more of this content.
1: Thank you, Rob. Go forward purposefully, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Informed for medical communication professionals. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app, inform your colleagues, and rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today. We hope you'll also join us at an upcoming ISMAP University webinar or even considering becoming a member of our association. Just go to ISMAP.org, that's ISMPP.org to learn more. I'm Rob Mathias. Content from this presentation reflects the collective experience and
1: opinions of the presenters and is not intended to represent the past or current views of Pfizer.